the study that we had been doing for so long a time there in, on, this, on the path of Peter. But I want to go back to 2 Peter chapter 3. That we, we read that through last week, uh, and I, I wasn't felt... I wasn't led to say much about it. I did make a, a, a comment or two, but it wasn't much said about it. And as I was considering what to bring next for a Bible study, we have a standalone this morning. It's not a series. But there was a phrase there in Second Peter chapter 3, and I want to go back to that. I want to go back to that and consider this statement in a greater depth. Would you look with me at Second Peter chapter 3, Verses 8 and 9. Peter says, But, beloved, but, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. He's talking about those who would come and, and, and mock us. What, where is your God today? Where was your God when those poor folks down there in Texas were slaughtered? I've heard that said on the news. And I don't blame those who don't know God to say that. I can't blame them with the sorrow that's going through their hearts. Folks, you think we have troubles, don't we? We have problems that we live with. Polly Mary, poor lady, she's been dealing with this cough for so long, I can't even imagine what that's like for her to go through that anymore. Folks who have lost loved ones. Loved ones who have taken their own lives. Loved ones who have been killed by others. My own brother for one. Loved ones who have died out of what would seem to be an accident. Our dear Pastor Gene and his wife losing one of their sons. I am so thankful I have not had to deal with that. I've lost my father, but he was of great age. We have so much. So many worldly reasons to say, where is our God? You don't need to turn there with me, but I want to read something for you from the Psalms just, just for just a moment. I want, a man after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart, cried these words out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? David. You think he didn't feel that when he wrote those words? When the Spirit of God inspired him to write those words, yes, that's, that's exactly the words of our Lord and Savior when He hung on that cross and He cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? If it be Thy will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, Thy will be done. But David had to feel those. He had to feel that kind of pain. And it's not just the pain of the things around us on the outside. It's the pain that comes from within. The pain of doubt. Do you have the pain of doubt? Do you have the pain of weakness knowing you can't, you can't stop what it is that's going through your mind? Your imagination is doing things that it's, you shouldn't be letting it do? Be not ignorant of this one thing. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack. This is verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. 
as some men count slackness. Oh, you can't compare our Lord to the way we think, can we? Our Lord's ways are so far above ours, we have no understanding of its depth. Our Lord is not slack, but long-suffering to who? To the world? No. To usward. You and I. All of His children. All of those for whom He shed His blood on that cross. He is long-suffering that every one of those, every one of the usward, should come to Him. What does it say after that? Not willing that any should perish, but that all, all of the usward, should come to repentance. To think that our Lord, the Lord of all glory, the very creator of this universe, the one who put me in my mother's womb, the very one who said, let it be, and the worlds were there. We talk about a miracle. The miracle of God's creation, putting the stars in place. This is the power of God. The power of God of taking His Son right out of death's hands and conquering death. Setting Him on the right hand of of the throne on high. To think that He would think on a worm. On a worm as I. Folks, that's beyond my ability to comprehend. I understand. I understand why the Lord says, Esau have I hated. What I don't understand is why he didn't say that same phrase to John Reeves. You think Jacob was a this or a that? I make Jacob look like an angel. People say, oh, you clean up real well. You got that suit and tie on. You look nice. My wife loves the way. Folks, I'm so thankful that you can't see the inside of what's in this body. Why would he who creates everything look upon me? Why would he consider me an usward? Well, I can tell you this it's not because of anything that's in this flesh. It's not because of anything that's in this mind. It's not because of anything that I've done. It's not because of anything that I've walked. There's only one reason God would look upon us in a way that would be favorable to us, and that's through His Son, the Lord Jesus. This is the grace of God that we see our Savior as our everything. What do you mean, John? What do you mean the Lord looks upon you? He looks upon me and all of His children. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you, He looks upon you just like this. Now, I want to, I want to do something. I'm going to ask you, if you would close your eyes for just a moment, and I want to, I want to read a Scripture for you from Song of Solomon. 
I want to read a scripture of a conversation between the king and his bride. Folks, that's what we are. We're the bride of Christ. Our Lord and Savior is the king. Listen to these words. He says, in, it says in Song of Solomon, verses 1, chapter 1, verses 8 through 17, If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, if thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed thy kids, thy she goats, beside the shepherd's tents. Don't. Don't take your flocks way out there. Come and eat the good grass right next to my tent. Stay close to me. You are so fair to me. Come close to me and stay. Come to the good grass. I have compared thee, it says, Oh, my love. I have compared thee to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Can you imagine that? Think of it for just a moment. The the horses of the Pharaoh. Do you think they were some nags that you would see out here on the side of the highway with big hunchback on them? You you know that's not the case. I'm not a big horse fan. But I tell you, I see the beauty in that horse, Black Beauty. That is a magnificent animal, is it not? You can see the muscle tones in it. You know that that's what the Pharaoh had was something, probably five or six of those, if not more. I compare you, my Lord says, to the wonderful horses, those beautiful animals that Pharaoh has pulling his chariot, pulling the golden rib around the chariot, all covered in gold, the fancy, the fancy. Uh, wardrobe that he has on oh my love to, to, I compare thee oh my love to a company of horses and Pharaoh's chariots he says next in case he says thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewels thy neck with chains of gold we will make thee borders of gold and studs of silver. Why the king sitteth at his table, my sparknard sinneth forth the smell thereof. A bundle of myrrh is my well beloved unto me. Oh, your beauty, your smell, to sit at your table, for you to sit at my table. This is what our Lord is saying to you and I right now. We look upon the worm, but God looks upon His Son and sees the beauty of His Son when He looks at you. And you, and you, and all of you. He looks at us, us Word. He looks at us with love. Does that grab a hold of you? Because we could be just like Esau running around out there thinking that we're something, couldn't we? We could be just like Cain bringing what we think is the right thing to our Lord, couldn't we? That's the miry pit that our Lord pulled us out of and giving life to dead flesh. My beloved is unto me a cluster of campfire. 
in the vineyards of Engedi. Woo! Big old luscious bundle of green grapes. Thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes. Behold, thou art fair, my beloved. Yea, pleasant. Can you see the Lord speaking with you in those words? Folks, our Savior has loved us from the foundation of all creation. He has loved us so that He was manifest in the likeness of man, in the likeness of flesh. God became a man, just but not just any man. No, He was perfect. He was perfect in every way. Everything our Savior did pleased the Father. Everything you and I do in this flesh does not. But we have a substitute who has done it for us. He came to do His Father's will and that's exactly what He did. The 100% God, the 100% man and the 100% God in one body came to do His Father's will and that's exactly what He did. He did it perfectly. He accomplished all that was needed for the people of God, the us-word people, those that He calls my people. Everything we needed to spend an eternity with Him, praising His holy name, has been provided for us by our great shepherd. Now turn over to Mark, if you would, chapter 2. Turn over to Mark chapter 2 for just a minute. Amazes me sometimes. I, I thought for sure this would be done in 10, sec, 10 minutes. <laughs> Over in Mark chapter 2, our Lord not only thinks upon us, He exercises His power for us. We, we, we sang that song, It Took a Miracle. It took the power of God to create all that is. But it took the power of God to bring righteousness, salvation to His people, not just in part, but all of His power. It took the power of love and the power of grace. Are you with me in Mark chapter 2? Look at verses 1 if you would. And again, He entered into Capernaum after some days and was noised, and He was in the house. And straightway many gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about a door. And he preached the word unto them. Did you notice that? He preached the word. How are you going to call upon him whom you've never heard? Oh, to see how our Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest preacher that ever walked this earth, preached the same message that all of his preachers preach, and that is the word of Christ. He preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, verse 3, bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof, and there he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick and the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Our Lord's about to show us about what power the power of God is. 
But there were certain, verse 6, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man, why does this simple man who sits there in front of us, this one who is the carpenter, the carpenter's son, why does he speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? God sat right before them and they could not see Him. You couldn't see that the miracles I did were miracles of God Himself because you are not my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. Isn't that what the Lord said? To those unbelieving Jews, continuing on, Verse seven. Why doth the, oh no? Verse eight. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned with him within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye? Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it be easier to say to the sick and the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed. And here comes the power of God that we're talking about. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick and the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine own house. And this, catch this, catch this. This is the power of God. And immediately he arose up and took the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Now, look with me over to Ephesians chapter 1, please. Ephesians chapter 1. We're talking about the usward. The power of God towards usward. The Apostle Paul brings out the gospel of God's sovereign grace expressing all things in Christ in verses 3 through 10. But I want you to look over at verses 17, 18, and 19 with me if you would. He says, well, let's, yeah, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in, in what? In what you've read in a book? In the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, verse 18, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what is what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to who? Us. You and I. The miracle of the new birth is to the usward. Those who were chosen in Christ before the world was created. Those for whom the Scripture says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And those that come to me I will in no wise cast out. The greatness of His power to usward who believe. Do you believe? according to the working of His mighty power. Now, what exceeding power God exercises upon those that He loves. One more, if you would, please. Turn over to the Psalms. Psalms number 40. Psalms 
Again, we must never forget, folks, the Psalms are Messianic. Now, that, that, what that means is that is the Holy Spirit inspired the writer to write about the Lord Savior Jesus Christ, but he used the tools, the instrument of men. And in doing so, these ones who wrote about the, what Christ would go through had to go through that exact same thing. They were speaking from the heart, giving an account of what they were going through, and the Lord is using that to show pictures of His Son, the Lord Jesus, and what He would go through. Here in, verse, here in chapter 40, the first five verses, we read these words. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of the horrible miry, horrible pit and out of the miry clay. Now that was after the Lord Jesus dried, and He set me upon a rock, and that is our Savior, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such a turn aside his lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to, to who? Us word. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be embraced. When you think of this phrase, us word, you must come to the conclusion that some are and some are not. Us, not them. So who are the us? Am I one of the us word? I've been speaking lately with a person who's been dealing with many, many trials in their lives. They've been dealing with trials for a long time. Heavy trials. With, in, and without. And what I mean by that, the world around us is without. Within is right here. And the question comes up, am I saved? I don't know if the Lord has saved me, John. I have these thoughts in my mind. I keep bringing these troubles upon myself. Think about that. Look back upon your life. The life you had before the Lord opened your eyes to the truths of His Word. Before He brought you into the fold of Jesus Christ and began to reveal His Son in you. Think back to that. We should never forget what our, that pit that our Lord drew us out of. Never forget what we were once before because if we forget that, then we'll forget the grace that we're receiving right now. Have you had those kind of trials before? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I've, I've had trials almost all my life. I grew up this way. Uh, my parents were this way. Uh, things happened here with my mom or my dad or a brother or a husband. Oh yeah, I've had, I've had plenty of trials for a long, long time. I'm tired of the trials that have been going through. It's, I'm weary. Are you weak and weary? 
Are you heavy laden? Take upon you the yoke of Christ. Why? Because His yoke is easy. There's nothing for you to do. Believe in the One who's done it all. Those were trials without that were shared with me. Were there any trials within? Did you have any trials within you before the Lord called you out of that what you once walked in and now you walk in the light of Christ? Did you have any trials within? Well, yeah. Yeah, not really. I mean, I'm an okay person. I, I, I mean well. Yeah, I get myself into trouble with the things around me, but you know, within me, I'm, I'm in actually pretty good shape. I'm really not that bad. Not many trials within, huh? One of the things about being a Christian, a true Christian, one who has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in an experiential way, is that we know that this flesh, there is nothing good in it. And if you thought you had trials before, you're still going to have the trials in that world outside, which is all cursed. And that's why we have trials. That's why we have death, isn't it not? Because of sin? The curse of sin? That's never going to go away. People are going to die. People are going to do things to others that hurt. You're going to step in it a few times. And it's not going to get any better until the Lord takes you out of this world. And here's even something worse. You're going to have trials from within now. Here's John talking to himself now. I'm not going to share with you what it was because I'm embarrassed, but I had to... I wasn't even sure if I was going to have messages for you today. I literally I thought I was going to have to give you my resignation. had to spend time this morning asking the Lord for me to forgive for Him to forgive me because I am weak in the flesh and I doubted and I allowed the devil to play his role in this world with my imagination It bothered me so much that I slept hardly all last night and I got up this morning and I had nothing. It's five o'clock, still nothing. Six o'clock, nothing. Kathy comes in, are you doing all right? No, I'm not. I got nothing. And I still don't know if I have anything for you at 11 o'clock, folks. But the trials don't get any easier. They get worse. 
But here's the joy of that. You say, oh, John, you're such a downer. Yes. When it comes to the flesh, it's a downer. But I've got a Savior who's already paid it all for me. And by His grace, I can go to His feet and lay my sin at His feet and know that He's got it. Lay my troubles at His feet and know that He's got it. Were there any trials within? No, not really. What about now? Oh yeah, I caught all kinds of them. That's the key to the us word, folks. Now you see the us word turn to the holy place, the only place that they can turn to. I can't turn to my family. I love you, Kathy, but I can't turn to my wife. The only thing I can do is go to her and ask for forgiveness for me being me. But I can turn to my Savior. Something I never did before. Do you remember when there was a time when you didn't turn to the Savior and you said, Oh, I got unlucky the other day. Drank too much and ran my car into a tree. Boy, that's unlucky. I was lucky about it though. It didn't kill me. You get my point? That was the way John turned to trials and tribulations before. Oh, what a bummer. I'm so unlucky. There's so much stuff going on around me right now. Now, I can go to my Savior in the privacy of my office and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. And I know you have. I know you've forgiven me and your son because that that I just did, that that I just thought was laid on him. It brings tears to my eyes because I don't want to do that to my Lord. I love him. Because he first loved me, I want to do what's right. But I don't. The key to the F word is that now we turn to the only place we can turn to, the Holy One of God, Christ Jesus our Lord, and we can turn to Him because He thinks towards usward. Before there was a time we credited luck or some other reason some other nonsense but now we know we know him listen to these words once again will you second peter chapter 3 verse 9 the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. Brother Bill, would you